Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's a very good start to the season for the Edmonton Oilers. And and uh, it's the kind of start, you know, where you, you know, where you, where you get off in the first five games to victories that cover up for... You know, people can start to lose their mind early in the season over this, that, and the other thing. And it just gives a little cushion to this whole team going forward, you know, to any players who might be having a slump right now or anything going wrong. It's it's made right to a certain degree. So I like that about this as well as I just love it when the Oilers win. They won 5-3 over the Vegas Golden Knights who were down some four pretty key players. They, they were down Martinez, Stone, Pacioretty, and Tarkin. Who? Tuck. Tuck. Oh, that guy's a load. Yeah, they were. You yeah. know, these are really these are three top six forwards, and uh, top pairing defensemen or top four D. So that's a big blow to that team. Um, Bruce, the grade A chances were eighteen to fifteen for the Oilers in the game. So uh, it was kind of a hockey game that turned into a track meet. Uh, up and down the ice, lots of action in that game. It was a very very entertaining hockey game. Um, two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. We'll go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to Edmonton Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. And uh, Tippett takes lots of grief uh, around oil country. Uh, people that disagree with this decision or that or the other or all of them. Uh, but I thought he did a lot right here. Uh, I thought that his uh, and a couple days ago, as soon as Mike Smith was hurt, I thought Koskinen's going to play both games, and it's probably the right thing to do. You know, uh, two years ago when Tippett started out as the Oilers head coach, uh, he gave Mike Smith the first two starts of the season. He won them both, and he went to Mikko Koskinen, and he got the second two starts. He won them both. Real good games by him on the road. And uh, the Oilers wound up jumping out of the gate 5-0, and and they cruised into the playoffs that year. And it was the the hot start right at the beginning of the year was part of it. And so this year, Smith got the first three starts, but he came out halfway through game three. But there was really no reason, I don't think, for Tippett to deviate from this idea of giving one guy the load for a while and going to the other one. And even though they were back-to-back and there's, there's a certain um, hard law there in some uh, faiths, that uh, you can, thou shalt never start thine backup netminder in back-to-back, or thine same netminder in consecutive games seems to be the uh, the rule. But Mikko Koskinen was well-rested. He was sharp. Uh, he played well, and, and when he finally got back into the net after a very good training camp, and it was a big game, and there was no reason to take him out, and it turned out to be uh, the right decision. Mikko had a Another strong game tonight, fought through a lot of stuff, took a few hard shots, uh, had a lot of traffic, faced 39 shots and a ton of zone pressure, and he stood tall, as Mikko is wont to do. So that was one thing. Uh, I really liked his his wholesale uh, lineup changes, uh, you know, such were as were available to him to get all three guys who didn't play last night into the team tonight and playing a role, and each, I think, did contribute uh, to uh, Edmonton's win, uh, those being Chris Russell, 
uh, Colton Sevier, Tyler Benson, who got into the lineup. And I just thought the timing was good. And I talked about this a little bit on on the TV too, but they were they were saying what I was already thinking. You're going to stay in Vegas for a couple of days now. You're going to celebrate 5-0, and and you're going to celebrate it as a team. And you know what? Every single guy that's there is part of the team and has contributed. Uh, even Stuart Skinner, the one guy who didn't start the season with the team, got called up, but, you know, he did play a role. And all the other guys played one of the last two games where they went 2-0 and on this, uh, on this uh, short uh, Midwestern uh, road trip. So I, I just thought he played it right from a, from a team-building perspective, the coach did, and as a human resources matter, and I keep pounding on this, but I think it's really important that uh, uh, he's got the, he should have his team, I think, tight already. And, and there, there's, you know, it sounds like they are, it looks like they are. And this, this business of getting each guy involved and contributing, that fourth line with Sevier, Benson, you know, they had a shift tonight with three or four minutes left and a one-goal lead. Like, it wasn't like they were locked to the bench for the whole third period. They weren't. Uh, they didn't play a huge amount, but they played, and they helped. So I, I just think he he did a, a few things right, and this idea that he had of splitting up the uh, uh, the dry, dry saddle and McDavid from each other on the road trip uh, paid dividends, and especially tonight. So... Yeah. Kudos to Dave Tippett. We're going to rip you when you make mistakes, but t- turnaround's fair play. When you do it right, well, you're going to get credit, at least from me. Yeah, I agree with all your points. Well said. Um, my first good thing will be uh, Duncan Keith's uh, play on the game-winning goal. And um, Duncan Keith had a pretty rough night on defense, and we're going to get to that later. But on that particular play, Bruce... That was a Hall of Fame Duncan Keith moment. That was as that that just it reminded me so much of Nicholas Lidstrom, another defenseman who did that constantly, would pick off a pass in the neutral zone and immediately get the puck going in the other direction. So that's what Keith did on this play. He he picked off. He's at his own blue line. He steps up to pick off the pass. He reads the play completely, picks off the pass, and in the same motion, puts a perfectly timed pass ahead leading Zach Cassian and breaking Zach Cassian for a breakaway and the winning goal. It was a fantastic hockey IQ play and a f- fantastic physical play too, because, mm-hmm. you know, you could to execute that pass was it, that's not an easy thing. You have to have an incredible hand-eye coordination and ability to do that. So um, not a perfect Probably Duncan Keith's worst game so far of the five that he's played for the Oilers. I'm guessing the game grades will reflect that. But what a play. What an amazing play that was. And uh, may there be many more. Yeah, he salvaged his game grade with that one play. He, <laughs> yeah. he, was, uh, uh, he was a little bit in the red at that point. And, uh, uh, I mean... It was, you know, the key play on the game-winning goal. I mean, he helped in the end, helped the team win the game, even as he was, uh, he'd had his struggles, as you say, on the defensive side of the puck earlier. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was sweet. <clears throat> the pass couldn't have been better. You know, it's just one touch, and he's, and he's whipped it right across the ice. Hyman, or sorry, uh, Cassian, broke behind the guy that had made the poor pass for Vegas, uh, Nicholas Haig, that had just tied the game minutes earlier on a mistake by Cassian. This time it was Cassian who got behind Haig. 
and walked in and, and uh, made a pretty nifty move to, to deke uh, Robin Leonard and tuck it through the five hole on the, from the backhand side to uh, reestablish the lead for the Oilers and ultimately the lead that held up even as there was plenty of tension down the stretch. A lot of, lot of tension, not a lot of great A chances for yeah. Vegas, though. Lots yeah. of buzzing around the net and close calls, but the puck was kind of slippery for them. They couldn't quite get off that great shot that they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to do the same thing as last night and, and, and rave about the special teams, which had a really good night. But I am instead going to go to the five-on-five play, and in particular, the two consecutive five-on-five goals by the two big lines now, two big lines uh, that they uh, deployed in sequence on the road uh, with, first of all, um, uh, McDavid setting up Zach Hyman for a laser from the slot right in the top corner. And this after Hyman had made a pretty good rush to gain the zone and sort of put Vegas under pressure, and then McDavid took advantage of the chaos and Paul Yarby took advantage of the chaos to, first of all, chip the puck to McDavid and then get back out in front of the net and in the way and, and get his big body where it do the most good. And McDavid slipped it out to Hyman between the circles and boom, right in the top corner. Great shot. So that's two to two. And then just, uh, I think it was 72 seconds later, uh, the other big line with uh, Yamamoto, uh, Newton Hopkins and Dreisaitl uh, got some pressure on, and uh, there was an outside shot and a little bit of a sloppy rebound from Leonard, and uh, and Petrangelo couldn't really handle it, and New swooped in and uh, found the puck in the slot and immediately slid it over to Dreisaitl in his favorite spot, bottom of the right circle, and he banged it home. And just like that, it went from 2-1 Vegas with, uh, with really the Golden Knights in the ascendant to 3-2 Oilers, and Vegas spent most of the rest of the game chasing. And uh, that was a real turning point in the game, and it was the two lines in sequence this time. First McDavid, then Dreisaitl, each lighting the lamp and turning a deficit into a lead, and that was a, it was a huge turning point in the game. Yeah, I was trying to think of who Hyman reminded me of that shot. I was thinking Mike Bossy, but it wasn't quite a Mike Bossy goal because Bossy would wrist it in. It was more like a Brad Hall. Where you get in that sweet Whatever. spot, you get in that sweet spot, and did he ever kill that puck? Did he ever drain it? I, this is too much to hope for. These two games in a row where he is, you know, you know, this he's putting a top shelf where Mama keeps the cookies here, and it's not going to continue. Like I can't imagine he's going to keep sniping like this. But uh, this is <laughs> this is really well, sweet. Four this, goals on the road trip for Hyman. Yeah, like what a well, he's. If he if he stays healthy, he's a tremendous hockey player, and I can see why he should be on the Olympic team. Like this guy's a solid two way hockey player, does so much right, physical player, and can really make plays. I mean, I was hoping he'd be good. I never thought he'd be this good, honestly. Like like even when he played so well against Edmonton last year, he, like he really stood out in those games. I thought, oh, this is a very good hockey player, but. This is kind of next level stuff. The offensive plays he's he's doing, and he was playing with very good offensive players in Toronto as well. Right, but um, maybe I just didn't notice it, but or maybe he's just getting lucky here. But those these are well, some pretty he, sweet snipes. He got a little lucky on that first goal, but he got lucky. You know, he made his own luck to the point that he got down and dirty where the action was. Yeah, and went right into the blue paint after the puck, and it hit a couple of skates and hit his skate and. 
I think it hit um, Carlson, more than Carlson's skate, when it was over the goal line by about two inches. And that was the furthest thing from a pretty goal. Uh, but it was there was some good work on the play to get the puck into such a dangerous position. And because Hyman was working his butt off uh, in a place where he could do some damage, it wound up being a goal. And so credit, you know, two very different kind of goals for him. One, one an absolute hard work grunt goal, and the other one a wicked snipe. The grunt goal is the kind of goal I expected from Hyman, right? That's, like that's that's exactly what I thought we'd get, but I wasn't expecting these other goals. Maybe he scored a lot of goals like that in Toronto. I don't know. Bruce, my uh, second good thing is the power play. The Oilers had 18 grade A chances, as I mentioned earlier. Nine of them came on the power play. Eight of those in a sequence in the second period that lasted three about three minutes or so, where they just were peppering, absolutely uh, peppering the... Uh, uh, Robin Leonard with shots. I mean, Dreisaitl. Oh. Dreisaitl with a great shot. Dreisaitl with a one-timer. Dreisaitl with a one-timer. David with a one-timer. Dreisaitl with a one-timer. Hyman with a jam play uh, at the net. So it was quite an incredible... Let me just see if I got them, got them all there. I might have missed a couple there. Yeah, one, just, of was, one of them, McDavid, had the open side and he rang it off the very inside of the goal post, right across the goal line and out the other side. It was like millimeter from being a goal that would have made it four or two and it would have been big but somehow Leonard uh survived that that uh, power play but while it was going on and I mean it was it was such a lengthy sequence of the Oilers completely dominating the puck and skating rings around the zone and making these little flip passes back and forth and behind the back passes you know not, but all set plays they know where they are they know where other guys are going to do I me mean, nuge does this behind the back pass to the point all the time and it's it's very very effective and i was <laughs> saying dan anna that uh, uh you know they should start playing sweet georgia brown here it's like the globe trotters out there you know when curly neal gets the ball and he starts doing around and <laughs> nobody knows how to stop the guy and it was uh but, but the whole team was just cycle, cycle, cycle. And, you know, about every 10 seconds, dangerous shot on net. And it's not like they're just wasting away the clock on the perimeter. They're creating and creating constantly. It's fabulous to watch. I was reminded of the comment you made. I think you've made it a couple times in previously that this power play will get better in the next little while as these guys get more familiar with each other. And yep. other people have made the same comment, but like the, you, you were just, you reinforced that. And it, it reminded me, you mentioned just Nuge's behind the back pass. Last year, that was out of sync. He was hitting Clefbaum every time with that right. the previous year. But it took him and Barry, they really never got truly in sync last year on that Nuge's, you know, he does that behind the back pass constantly. And it was always just a little bit off because Barry wasn't quite where he thought he was going to be. But this year, it's just, he just snaps it and it's right on Barry's stick. And, uh, you know, there's just so many different, tricky little plays and options the other teams don't know what to do there was that one play the the uh dry settle got off of course his executioner shot quite a bit but he also did the and we haven't come up with a name for this one yet but where he he takes the puck in the high slot on his back head he sets up on his back right. head, takes the puck and then he slips it to his forehand and, and drills mm -hmm. it on net which is a very tricky and da dangerous shot to take it's kind of this no look Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of setting up in the high post like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and going in for the sky hook. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's it's very much like that. Like, you know what's coming? 
And how can you stop it when he sets it up the right way? You got to go right through dry saddle to get to the puck, and there ain't no going straight through Leon dry saddle. It just isn't <laughs> going to happen. He's like a great big uh, uh, cypress tree or something in the slot. Like good luck getting through it when he, when uh, you know when you're on one side and the puck's on the other side. That puck might as well be on the moon. You're not going to get it unless he gives it to you. <laughs> And I'm glad Tyson Berry's out there for this too, because he's struggling another. Like he's really struggling defensively, Ooh. and I'm glad he's having some success. Like hopefully this will like he, help him get through this really rough patch in his own zone. Like he's really not making good reads or he's getting eaten alive even on the third pairing. So, but he is part of this power play success genuinely, and he makes really good decisions. I like Tyson Berry out there. I think he's a fabulous power play guy. All right, Bruce. Uh, let's move on to our bad things. Yeah, I'm going to point the finger a little bit at the third line tonight for their defensive play. Uh, they got burned for two goals against, and, and the, the forwards were uh, significantly at fault on them. The, uh, one came uh, uh, early in the in the uh, uh, second period when uh, Ryan lost a face-off and... Uh, uh, Fogel didn't get out to the point shot and it got tipped and Ryan allowed the shot tip in front. And then there was the one in the third period that we officially graded a grade B chance um, where uh, Nicholas Haig fired, it was like a hundred mile an hour fastball that he just blew past Koskinen from, it was a long ways up, but it was an absolute cannon from the middle of the slot with nobody around him. And Nobody was around him because of a number of things that went wrong. First of all, Zach Cassian icing the puck when he really didn't need to. Uh, Derek Ryan losing another draw in the defensive zone. Uh, and uh, Cassian got tied up. And Fogel, like he was shading to the point man on his side. But when the puck went to Haig in the middle of the ice with nobody around, I thought uh, Fogel really needed to sell out there and identify that, you know, the guy in the middle of the ice is a lot more problem than the guy near the boards. And he didn't. And so, you know, just basically a collection of small mistakes. But when you get a string of them where two or three players, even if they're forwards, make mistakes on the same play, a, a chance can result. And sometimes that chance will wind up in the back of the net. So I like the line overall, and they redeemed themselves by scoring the winning goal. But uh, they need to, to pick up the defensive play a little better than it was tonight. And, and you know, in the Possession numbers kind of support that, that they uh, they spent too much time in their own zone. Cassian took a really stupid penalty, too, when, in the third period there. That was ridiculous. Like, what was he thinking? Hooking the guy. So, I mean, the, I think it was Fogel who might have got the breakaway anyway. Uh, but, like, geez. It was very I, marginal, but it was not. He just didn't it was need a penalty. to do that. It was a penalty. to do that. Yeah. He just kind of stuck his stick where it didn't belong, and he got caught. So, yeah. My bad thing tonight was Duncan Keith's defense. Um, we hadn't seen, like, you know, there was real concerns about his defense coming into the year. Reports out of Chicago that he had slipped. And I hadn't seen it so much in the first four games, but he he did have some troubles tonight. You know, defensemen will have troubles, but he, he made four major mistakes on grade A chances against, which is, which, is, which is a really high number at even strength for a defenseman in a game. And it started off, there, and there was a couple kind of, bad ones um in in that context he he started off the game and he uh made a bad turnover um 
passing the puck diagonally out of his own zone and got picked off in the neutral zone. Vegas rushes in, uh, gets a shot on shot on net, which McDavid stabs out to the point. Hyman can't block the outside shot and it gets deflected in. So that was Keith's turnover that kicks, you know, off that sequence of pain, gets them down one nothing in the first. Uh, later in the thir- first, he has a bad sequence where he, um, they're breaking out of their zone and McDavid's coming back and suddenly Keith decides to jump up in the play. This is this is where he got a little aggressive. I think he can do this a little bit, get above the play now and then because he wants to join, you know, be an offensive player. Anyway, he he or be aggressive defensively. He just he went for the guy in the neutral zone and he got out of position and he got passed around him. And then there's a two on one with CC back and there was a great a chance out of that. So that was a kind of an unforced error. That play was going nowhere until he decided to force it in the neutral zone and and created the two on one situation. Um, shortly thereafter, just uh, 14 seconds later. He and McDavid got, uh, they allowed a pass into the slot and there's another grade A shot. Then in the third period, uh, no, excuse me, at the end of the second period, Fogel turns it over in the Oilers zone, shoots it up the boards, it gets stopped. And Keith again is a little high on the play. Um, this is more, for, it's kind of a bang, bang play, but he lost a battle on the boards and and uh, Peyton Krebs takes it in the slot for a grade A chance. So that's a high number of mistakes for a, for an NHL defenseman, you don't want to see. You sure don't want to see that every game, because that means you can't play in the top four. You know, you can make one or two mistakes on average, but you can't make you can't make three or four. Uh, and uh, so, a pretty rough night on defense for Duncan Keith. Oh, you! I can't hear you, Bruce. Suddenly, he made a better door than a window on the two-two goal as well. That uh, he was trying to jump. Uh, in front of, I think, the shot, the guy deflected it out of the air and under Keith's feet, and Koskinen never saw it. It bounced, deflected it out of the air, off the ice, and through him. And I don't think, uh, I don't think his D-man was uh, much help to him there. Oh, yeah, I see in the scoring chance. I didn't see that initially. You've added that in. I didn't see that. Uh, so that may, maybe it's five, right? Like if you're. Uh, no, I just thought uh, after the game, I, I rewatched all the goals and I went, oh, yeah, that did, that was a big part of that one. So watch I'll it again a, and see if you agree. But yeah, I thought it was uh, a factor. Who scored that one? What was uh Okay. Fogel that, was a tip from, uh, that was a tip from right in front by Nolan Patrick. Where he won okay. the draw, and like three seconds later, it was in the net. Went and he screened the goal, the yeah, okay. Okay, for and sure. And screened the goal, yeah. All right, uh, we're moving on to the numbers section. Yeah. What's your number? Yeah, well, out of all the five-on-five play that Vegas kind of dominated with uh, 60% of the shot attempts and 61% of the shots and 60% of the scoring chances, uh, but one kind of jumped out at me, and this is off of the face-off summary. And this is a zone face-offs where Edmonton had 14 face-offs in Vegas territory in the entire game, and Vegas had 34 face-offs in Edmonton territory in the game, 14 to 34. And it seemed like, I mean, partly a score affects Vegas pushing, pressing, Koskinen freezing pucks, Oilers icing pucks. But it seemed like the whole third period they were taking face-offs in their own zone. And every time they lost one, it seemed like Vegas got a shot on net within about 
three to five seconds, including two of their goals. I mean, it was a factor in the game. And I mean, Edmonton did win 17 out of the out of the 34. So it's not like they were getting crushed. And uh, thankfully, they got the big diesel, Leon Drysaddle tonight, 16 for 23 for 70% on the dot. Yet another fine game from Leon, and he was 10 for 16 in the defensive zone. But Derek Ryan was only two for eight. And it's one thing I've noticed about Ryan, like he's got good numbers on the faceoff circle, but in the defensive zone, he doesn't seem to be that strong. Or at least maybe that's just the, uh, the way the dice have rolled this early in the season. But he seems to, on the penalty kill or at five on five, uh, struggle to win draws in the defensive zone. So something to watch for. But uh, as a team, there just were too many faceoffs in the defensive zone. 34 is a lot of face-offs and that is a lot have, when you have your goalie you know he's got to line up for 34 face-offs he's facing 39 shots 72 shot attempts that is a hard working hard working night for your uh, uh for your netminder and uh i guess you can say you know it didn't kill him so it made him stronger maybe but uh I would like to have seen the game a little bit, the five-on-five five game. I mean, the special teams, Edmonton, you could say they won that game on special teams too because the power play got a goal and the penalty kill didn't give one up despite a lengthy three-on-five. So they, uh, uh, the special teams is a big difference maker for Edmonton. It was again tonight. But five-on-five, uh, five, I would say they did. They were fortunate to come out with uh, three goals each way in, uh, in the five-on-five five tonight. My number, Bruce, is uh, five out of 15. The Oilers have five of the top 15 scores in the NHL right now. Connor McDavid, number one, 13 points in five games. Leon Dreisaitl, number two, 11 points in five games. Yessa Pugliarvi, number sixth, eight points in five games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, seven points in five games, and Zach Hyman, six points in five games. Wow. So this is this is, you know, back to the future. This is the this is what we saw in the 80s, you know, with this kind of incredible attacking team. Um, you know, Bouchard took his first game with Nurse up front. That pairing was really strong. They um, you know, the other pairs had big a lot of mistakes on defense. Nurse and Bouchard did not. Uh, nurse had a clean sheet so um you know and the big three mcdavid with 11 great a chance in major contributions to 11 great a chances dry saddle 11 and nuge 10 we're just seeing these players you know the order's best players are are dominating this league right now and uh they've got a lot of good they've got a little bit more depth you know with hyman here with nuge playing back to playing his a game with nurse taking a step up from playing, you know, to playing consistent A games. Um, this is a different team than in the past, and that's why they're winning games like this that in the past they would have lost. Yeah, of course, many, many of those chances came on the power play. Yeah. With, uh, uh, looks like the Oilers had nine grade A chances in three minutes on the power play, nine grade A chances. Had 18 in the entire game. Half of them came in the three minutes they had the man advantage. 
And Drysaddle, it looks like, was in on all nine of them, and McDavid on eight, and Nuge on maybe six. Uh, I had them up, but anyway, they were, I mean, the three of them, are, they work so well together. On that five, on, on you know, that odd man advantage, they find the open man and create a chance, and they do it consistently, and it's, it's, it's fabulous to watch. One thing I noticed, Bruce, is, like, they've cracked down on cross-checking in the NHL. They're starting to allow a lot of interference. I, I noticed a lot of like dumping it on the four check and there was, and both teams were doing this blocking players coming in. So we'll, we'll see if that trend continues where they, they, they get, they crack down on the cross checking, but they, they allow the game to get bogged down and slowed down by tackling players, increasingly allowing that kind of blocking and tackling of players coming. in. We, I didn't see tackling. I did see blocking though quite a bit and nurse did some of it and so did the Vegas players. So. Um, yeah. That's my final thought. So the next game's on, not till. Go ahead. On the right side, McDavid drew a penalty tonight. His first there of the go. season. His first since last regular season, having gone over for the playoffs and over for the first four games this year. Uh, the refs, and uh, uh, I'm going to give a, a shout out to referee Steve Kazari, who played his thousandth, uh, ref his thousandth game tonight. Uh, that's quite a feat. Uh, but the refs actually uh, detected a foul on McDavid, and uh, good on them. May there be many more. I haven't noticed McDavid getting mugged, though, this year. Like, honestly, like, it hasn't been as constant. So. Well, that's good. Maybe they're letting him skate free, and he's just scoring more points. But... Well, that's what will happen, right? <laughs> if they let, if you let McDavid attack, you'll have a, oh. you, you could see someone get 200 points in the mm-hmm. NHL. If you if you let him get mugged and hacked and cross-checked, you, you'll see him score 120. So you pick NHL what you want. You want to have a record, you know, that excitement around that kind of a great attacker again, like you like you had with Gretzky, or do you want to have you know a duller duller league, dulled down league because you allow fouling constantly and don't let the superstars play? It's their choice. Yeah. Well, I won't count this as a number because I already did that. But this was the fourth game in a row. Edmonton scored five plus goals. And it was also the fourth game in a row where Edmonton scored the most goals or tied for the most goals of any team in the league that night that they played. And three of those nights, they, there was more than 10 games being played around the league. And the Oilers had the most goals each night. And they did it again tonight. So it's uh, that offensive uh, machine. It's starting to get in gear. It's early. And, you know, we'll see what happens when they start playing uh, some of the more hardcore defensive teams out there. But... Uh, they're racking up the goals and points and the wins. Five and all, their first team in the NHL to get to ten points. I'm gonna love it if the Oilers. It'll be there's you know there's <laughs> gonna be quite embittering for all these people who hate the Oilers out there. There's lots of people who do not like the Oilers, and uh, it would be kind of sweet to see them uh, have to suck it up if the Oilers keep winning like this. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, we've been taking slings and arrows from those people for a good fifteen years now. So that's uh, true, Bruce. I'm about ready for a little uh, shoe on the other foot, aren't you? <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. All right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. No, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Bye now. <laughs>